They're tenacious. They're fierce. They, they are not afraid to go, I need to make a poster. I know how to make a poster. I can do it. And I can think about it in a creative way. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Optimalist, a podcast where we have set out to explore the optimal way to educate in the age of AI. If you're new here, I'm Sarah Canzella, your host for this exploration of the elements of human flourishing. Brian Carpenter is a familiar face and voice to regular listeners of this podcast who also happen to occupy Twitter. Each week, he listens to our new episode and then records a video of himself talking about it while having his morning walk. And we're not the only show he talks about in this manner. Brian started doing this so often as a way to get in his walk, his PD, and support colleagues in educational podcasting that he created a brand and show for it in itself, Fresh Air at Five. Brian is an online educator with an interesting journey and the host of the Fresh Air at Five podcast. Listen as Brian and I talk about nonlinear career paths, being passionate about multiple fields, how classrooms should be tenacious, and that the real root of his podcast is in reflection. All this and more on today's Optimalist. I teach at a, an online school. We also have an in-building component with our school that has some of our students come in for like electives like media and um, robotics and things like that. And I, I work with those students in, you know, two days a week. Fast forward into later in my life, I was working at a pharmaceutical company here out near Br Vancouver, BC, and uh, in a little town called Langley. And um we had the opportunity to volunteer with Science World to do science and innovators in the classroom and to talk about what we do in our real job, our everyday job, right? I was a, I was a lab rat. I worked in the lab, made chemicals, made compounds, synthesis, and, you know, had to do creative stuff to overcome problems with chemicals that don't care. You know, they don't, they, they talk back to you, they, but they just don't care how you feel about it. And, uh, you know, they gave us the opportunity to volunteer. And I found that I really liked going and talking with students in their classrooms. I didn't understand still at that point about the whole education thing. You know, why would a teacher have me come to their classroom to talk about what it's like to be a real life scientist? But I did. And I, I, I found that curious. And I started really enjoying that towards the end of it as we got into... Uh, you know, my seventh year, we had a hostile board takeover, which precipitated a change because I got laid off and the new company offered me a job in Illinois. And I said, no, thank you. This is my life mm -hmm. here. And my wife said, you know what? I want you to do whatever you want to do. And I said, okay, I'm going to go to Simon Fraser University and check out their t education program. I did. A few days later, I walked over to my neighbor's house. He was a principal of the school that I'm currently at. He's retired since, um, but he was home. And I said, why do you, you and your wife do what you do? Like, tell me about this education thing. And he talked to me about it. And uh, one thing led to another. I started my teacher training, got going on that, right? And, you know, I, I taught in a regular high school, you know, with uh, like meaning regular, not like a re regular bricks and mortar high school, not an online school right. for a year and a half. So I got my feet under me as far as what it's like out there. Came here and I saw what it's like here because students couldn't handle what it's like out there, right? You know, they would, we had students with anxiety or we had, you know, high, high achieving elite athletes that, you know, had to travel and had to still get their education. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, so it was an opportunity to teach in a different way and, and care about students in a different way than just a regular classroom. So 
what got me to here now is that, you know, I got great people that I work with every day. Uh, we innovate and we create and we make new things and we, you know, try to bring freshness to our students' classrooms every day that we, that we work with them. So how do you find that online environment is you're explaining it as being something that is a good choice for certain populations of students. So how Mm -hmm. do you find, uh, in the daily routine day to day, how do you find kids reaction to it? Are these students that have had now most of their, uh, have they been doing most of their schooling online or do they have experience in both places? They've got experience in both places. And for most of the students that we have, this place of coming to do online learning is because they couldn't get into a course in their regular building, you know, so okay. they, 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 or they have a barrier that, you know, they, they struggle with anxiety or they've got, you know, learning disabilities that's too fast and too busy in a, in a regular building that they can come here to do that. Right. And so, I've got some students that they take classes, take courses with us here because they need to. That's like more, more like my, my math 10 and math 11 students that they have to take the math, right? And they don't really want to. So I spend time working with them on, you know, encouraging them that, yeah, math is hard, but it's not impossible and, uh, you, you can do it. Then on the other side, I've got my, my senior science chemistry courses that students you know, are choosing to come here for reasons of upgrading to be, you know, their adult education for university, or they, or they have, you know, the opportunity to just take it here instead of a regular building. And they're actually still in their regular building because they couldn't get into the chemistry course in their regular building. I was going to ask if any of these online students, are they considered homeschooling at all? Or is this considered just because they're not being taught by someone in their home. Right, right, right. So yeah. The, yeah, so that's that's a little distinction. People are like, "Well, you're a homeschool teacher." I'm like, "Well, no, I'm actually a I teach students from my from the as from a your pub, home. From, yeah. from my home, not my home, from my school. And we are a public okay. we're a public education school in the in the district of Abbotsford here where I live. Um, we are one of the schools and we provide online learning opportunities as a public education system, right? So we are part of what's the Ministry of Education. You know, we're inside of that. We're governed by the curriculum. So we are not homeschooled. You know, homeschoolers are, you know, a group of people that decide that they're going to do their own curriculum. They go by their curriculum wherever, maybe Costco, online. And they're like, I'm going to teach my student, my, my children, these things. And they make choices about separating it's more independent. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Okay. That makes sense. Um, and then I was actually going to think about before we got into that, I was thinking about the, everything you were saying leading up to what you're saying is, oh, what's this, how you described it as a, oh, what's this education thing? That's right. <laughs> That's your uh, <laughs> education. That's funny. I'm going to quote that. That's going to be in the, uh, in the <laughs> ad for your episode. <laughs> Want to find out what education is? Let's listen to episode 30. There you go. Exactly. Right. Like, you know, when I was in in university in my undergrad, I had some friends that were, you know, pretty bright scientists. Right. And I was watching them go through courses with me and they were really good in the lab and they went and did co-op education, you know, so they worked in industry for a little bit while we were still in university to really find out if it was what you wanted to do. And one of my friends, she like finished her bachelor's and then went and became a teacher. And I went, why? why, why would you do that? Like, no, I'm serious. Why would you, why would you waste 
your education you just did and become a teacher. Well, I'm sitting on the other side of that now, and I completely know why, because it makes it life is so much richer because I get to see the impact I have on students every day, as opposed to never knowing whether or not that science that we did actually made a difference in someone's life, you know? Oh, I see. Yeah. You know, and so the, the reward is it's different. I, I'm a scientist. I, I think very critically. That's going to be my next question. Okay. I was going to say, do you identify, would you call yourself a scientist? Yeah, I, I do call myself a scientist and I'm really thankful for my science education. One thing that my master's taught me was about learning how to learn, you know, and, and that I, I can learn and I can figure it out. And that, you know, you have to be tenacious to be a scientist. You have to be a tenacious to be a teacher, an educator. That learning part is is really important and, you know, has served me well all these years about understanding how the scientific method works, right? So it's, it's, a, it's a program. It's a kind of a script for how do you approach a problem. And then in the past five or six years, our curriculum has shifted to more a design thinking curriculum, right? And how do we teach students to think like a designer? So that was a big shift for me in the past five or six years that is exciting and it's scary at the same time because I don't know how it's going to go when I'm working with my students. And I'm trying to teach them how to problem solve and work through design thinking. And I think we're getting there. It's mm -hmm. just a really messy process, you know, of, of it's not a straightforward Today, we're going to learn about empathy. And then two weeks from now, we're going to learn about ideating and then prototyping. And it doesn't work like that because you got to no, go. No, it shouldn't. It shouldn't go yeah. like that, right? Because that's no. not the way life is, right? And so, uh, yes. Just you even saying that piece right there just reminds me of how I love that you use the word tenacious. So I'm going to bring that back a couple of okay. times now. Sure. But I, it reminds me of the way I learn or discover, like I'm a discovery learner. So I'm not going to want to do what you just, I mean, most, you probably not, no one's going to get the best experience if you try to teach something like, let's talk about empathy and like, yes. like week after week doing pieces of things where really you're, what you're learning about is human experience. Mm -hmm. So what I want to do is like participate in the thing, like say I'm learning podcasting and like, Rather than spend five months reading about podcasting and equipment and audio and sound and design, all of that stuff, I'd rather like pick and choose what I want to go deeply on while I'm doing it, right? While yeah. I'm living that experience. Yeah. So I think similarly, you want to practice design. I, I imagine that's like, that's part of it. But, but what that requires, I think is sort of a dedication to a little bit of tenacity, right? Because you have to know like, okay, today we were doing XYZ and I really loved this piece. So I'm going to go and delve into that and do a little bit more research on my own. Absolutely. And so like, there's a motivation there. There's like something that like, it's like a snowball effect of, of wanting to learn more about something and it doesn't have to be about everything. Um, but knowing that if you want to get better or improve, or be a better collaborator with others in your group that like, at some point, you're going to have to step forward and say, okay, I want to do this. Um, and I'm, I'm going to get better. It doesn't have to be what you tie yourself to forever. Right. Exactly. Um, that I think that's often what we get stuck into is like, how do we cultivate, we're going to cultivate motivation and, and like, 
kind of like a tenacity in young people that it has to be something that they tie themselves to a passion and this is their passion and that's going to be their career. And it's like, you're a perfect example of someone who at some point said, what is education? <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in it. I went through it. Yeah. But like, what does it mean? Right? Like, this, right. Like, this, what this does pe- it mean? Pe- pedagogy, pedagogy, you know, like, no, it's pedagogy. I know how to say that word. So, but yes, you know, you, you don't, you don't, I don't under, until you understand, you don't really understand. Right. And, and, you know, my backfall when I was in university was like, well, if chemistry doesn't work out, I can become a psychologist. I couldn't become a psychologist. It so was like, like chem psych ed. There you go. Chem psych ed. There you go. Exactly. You know, but, <laughs> but in uh it's a, it's a good thing. It's, I, I love my job. I love it so much because, you know, I get to see students grow. I like watching that growth in the, in our school that we have, uh, we're a K to 12 distance school. Meaning that we have kids that that's start. What it's, that's what it's called, distance school. Di- kind of. it, in, in BC, we call it online learning now. So our online okay. learning schools, but our younger grades from K to grade two, they don't do any online learning. All the curriculum goes home, you know, as a paper package for mom and dad to work with the kids at home and bring back to the teacher for, you know, evaluation and conferencing and things like that. And as we move through the grades, by the time they get to grade six, they are all online and like all their coursework is online um, as for our full-time students here, you know, and then we give them the option to come to our fusion program where they get some hands-on and some community two days a week. And I was going to ask, do you ever get, do you get to meet these kids in yeah, person? Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, oh yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's awesome. Like we're actually, that, that really does add a layer. Oh, it absolutely does. Yeah. When I started here, it was like, we didn't have any of that. Right. And I was like, okay. oh, how long can I do this? Because, you know, I miss people. I like people a lot, you know? Oh, and you're, Yeah. You're talking to someone who lives alone <laughs> and is working remotely and I'm losing my mind now. I'm uh, like, where, how many coffee shops can I work in every week? Exactly, yes. Annoying the people who work there because I'm just talking to just, them. Now. I'm going to talk to you now for half an hour because I need to have some adult conversation today. I right? just 20 minutes before this got back from being at a coffee shop that closes at 3 p.m. So I can't even stay there until the end of the day. But I was there for for an hour and a half and like they know me so well that my dog I bring my dogs with me my dogs have their picture on the wall <laughs> there you go that's fantastic you remember they know right? they walk I, they walk in and they come over and give the dogs treats before they even greet me like that's yeah. that's how much I need to get in front of people but yeah, yeah. go ahead sorry I yeah. interrupted you yeah no <laughs> but we have our students come to our school and uh it, it really brings and adds a lot to us in our school we actually kind of have, it's like an academy, you know, in inside a bigger school that is an online school. Our online students, you know, we don't see them very much. We They, they have their reasons that they are taking a single course with us or whatever. But we even have evening exams where for, you know, academic integrity, they got to come and write an exam in a room and I got to look at their ID and look in their eyes to make sure that's them. Right. You know, because who's in your eyeballs. Exactly. Who's yeah. who's actually doing your work. Right. Like you, you think about that, that you could have somebody else doing all of it for you and you could, I mean, pass. that kid could be off just traveling the country and you wouldn't even know. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. And so, you know, not that they have to stay home, but they have to, they have to be British BC residents to attend our school. Um, and that's a, that's a large, group of people from all over, right? Um, and we we have in the past, you know, done Zoom call exam and vigilation where, uh, you know, I get on a one-on-one with a student and they turn their camera on, show me their desk and, 
and in their house that, you know, like that. Now that's, that's weird in the sense that, you know, five years ago, I would have never considered Skyping or Zooming with a student, right? Yeah. You know, and then COVID happened and all of a sudden it's okay. We all do that. This is just what we do now, right? Yeah. That's interesting. I, uh, the the one on one calls is that normal now? Like it is. It, it, like it, it can be. be right? Like I don't have. I have way less hesitation than I mm-hmm. used to. Right before I was like, I don't want to see. You know what's going on in, in a student's home. I don't want to see that. Right. But but if that's their primary learning space, that's then right. I guess it becomes less. Yes. Yeah, less of a thing. Right? That's right. Exactly. So. But our students that come into our building, you know, they're our school community. They, you know, they're like a group that hangs out and we see them every week and we do learning. And in my senior media design 11, 12 class, you know, the curriculum says, teach them design thinking. That's what it says, right? How do you do that? What do you do? What do you, I know when I got handed that, I was like, check, how do I do that? Right. And so it, it starts with doing projects with the group of students. And, you know, our first project that we took on was taking the newsletter from our office. And our students actually produce our school newsletter. Oh, excellent. You know, and, cool. and it's my part. It's my job to make sure the newsletter gets done every month with contribution from everybody. We don't do a lot of writing of it. We do the desktop publishing of it, right, in a collaborative desktop publishing space. But uh, when we started this course, this media design course, um, taking on the newsletter, I heard that, hey, somebody made a news, their yearbook using Google Slides, right? Using Google Slides as a desktop publishing software, Mm. right? Hmm. And I'm like, can we do that with a newsletter? And we did. (laughs) And we did our newsletter for four years in Google Slides and students collaboratively. Like, it's not a desktop publishing software, right? No. It's a presentation software that has objects you can move around. We even made our yearbook for two years in Google Slides, a 40-page color yearbook. Like that becomes a printed object? Absolutely. Like we got a printed object that we get printed at a printer, but the whole collaborative thing was really fantastic. I had between seven and 15 students working on a document at one time, you know, and I'd be like, okay, John, go over to you know, page eight and, uh, you know, Sally, you're on page 17 and, you know, let me come and take a look. And I zoom back up and forth in the slide deck and look at what they're doing and in real time, be able to help them. Right. And so it became that it was not hard to do anymore. You know, like at our first newsletter of the year, I'm teaching students how to think about approaching this. Right. And it wasn't a when you build a newsletter, lesson one, you're going to do this. No, we just jump straight into the fire with all the information. And I would work with them on this is how you can organize things, the white space and all that kind of stuff. And uh, then at the end of 2000, June 2023, just recently, um, they gave us a year's heads up on this, that we were moving out of Google and into Microsoft for student space. Mm-hmm. So we had a Google space. For all of our students, but all of our staff, we were in Microsoft Teams and Microsoft Office 365. They took away our Google this past year, and uh, there's a lot of unhappiness. Took away our Google. Took away our Google, yeah. And it was I was there when Google got turned on as a helping teacher. It was really, really hard last year to 
step out of that, right? I tried to step out of it while I had still the freedom to still be in it. Last year, we tried. I tried to do some things. And by the time we got around to doing our yearbook, I said, students, we're going to try to use PowerPoint. We're going to try to use Sway. We're going to try to use, you know, Canva, things like that. So let's figure out how our collaboration is in these tools, right? It wasn't what we were used to with Google Slides. So my grade 11s and 12s halfway through the year went back to Google. They were in Microsoft and I had them go back to Google, right? Because I didn't know how to use the Microsoft tools efficiently right. myself for curating information. The nice thing is I see my students, well, it's a nice thing. It's a, it's a drawback kind of in our model is that I only see my students for an hour and a half a week, right? And so mm. on their, so I, it, as far as the continuity of every day, I don't have that with these students, but mm. it's good that we have the opportunity to work with them and teach them the skills that we have. Um, so we did, we moved into Microsoft and uh, as of beginning of September this year, Google was gone. It was gone, you know, and I had to figure out how we could do our newsletter in PowerPoint. What tools should we use? I asked my students and they're like, well, Mr. Carpenter, I think we're going to use, let's try Canva. Let's try Adobe Express, right? And so we had our first newsletter made from a mashup of a bunch of different design tools I said, you students are going to work on pages one and two and you on three and four. And I had them working in groups. And that was probably the messiest construction day of our newsletter. But I walked out of that class that day watching my 15 students engaged in this problem that they didn't know how to solve. And I was so proud. I was like, if you listen to my podcast back at the end of September, I was like just flying because it was just so exciting to watch them struggle and get to the other side of a problem, right? Because students today, most students, many students, not no, not most, but many students don't want to do the struggle, right? They don't want to wow. do the hard work. And I saw it happen. We did our newsletter the first time. And I said, now, before you go home, I want you to reflect in a Word document of how you felt. How did you feel today when we did that? And that feeling, that visceral feeling of like, I was ticked off. I didn't like it. I want you to write that down. I want you to reflect on your feelings because your feelings are really, really important, right? And so we reflected, we talked about it. We came up with, you know, a solution and our next newsletter was so much better. It took us less than an hour to build a nine page newsletter that, you know, the first time for me alone, just to build it myself I did it just by myself would take like eight to nine hours to, to oh, lay everything fair. out. Right. You know? And uh, yeah, so that's, that's a practical thing that I like to do is take students on a journey using technology. And my classroom is far from perfect. Like it's not a perfect place, but it's a, it's a learning place. And I, I, I was just going to say that. Yeah. Not being afraid of the messy, I think is an important part of our world today. Right. Yeah. And that, uh, again, was a few things now that came up from that. I love hearing you talk about that. Uh, just let's just do it because I, <laughs> I'm, you're my, and even some things you were saying earlier in this conversation are very much reminding me of myself as a teacher. I don't, you probably wouldn't know this unless you've heard me on like, unless I talked about it on like Laney's show or Sean's show, but I was, I taught English in New York for 14 years okay. before, yeah. before this endeavor that I'm in the middle of now. Um, but, a lot of the way you describe yourself in the classroom, as even earlier you were saying, like, you know, I don't have a perfect plan every day, but I think like I allow you allow yourself to be influenced or inspired by the environment or the uh, actions of the day or the activity mm -hmm. or the world, whatever it yeah. is. And that was very much how I, uh, 
I approached a lot of things too. Like even if there were plans, I mm -hmm. was not against plans being maybe not completely turned around in the spur of the moment if something had to be done, but but definitely influenced or altered or something like that by um by something that I felt would would be beneficial at that time. But yeah, like that idea of coming in with a question mark of like what could happen today. Kids, especially kids that are used to full time in, as you were saying, like a physical brick and mortar school, like yes. that idea of being of coming in and even to one classroom in that school every day and not knowing uh, what's going on. That's often a scary thing. Like mm -hmm. they don't, they want that, like, we, you know, there's something about like the, they, they want to be numbed to that. Like, it, not that they want to be, but they're used to like going to class to class and knowing what to expect. Not being surprised. And then, and then to come into one room that always has a question mark and like, you know, you're in the middle of reading Shakespeare, but you know how that's going to be done on this day, any day of the, any given day of the week is, is up in the air and it's a little bizarre. And they come in and sit there like, what do I do now? And I'm like, I don't know. What do you, what do you want to do? Yeah. <laughs> but all random stuff like that. And, uh, which always would lead to, I would come up with like, here's where I want them to be in two weeks or three mm -hmm. weeks. And yep. like, it doesn't matter what stuff you do to get there. Like if I can figure out a crazy way, um, to design something that's going to get them to that goal, then that's and where, where they're going to pick up on the pattern along the way and fill yeah. in those gaps. Like, yeah. It's super fun. And then like they come back and they come back months later or the next year and they're like, remember how weird it was when we did Romeo and Juliet with you? Yeah. <laughs> they're like, we're doing Macbeth now in 11th grade and it's just not the same. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> you, com you, com you complained about not having desks, but you definitely remember it. <laughs> That's exactly right. Exactly. You know? Um, yeah. But I did, I did want to ask you though, like in, in, in terms of, I guess, all of this and bringing up that word tenacious again, are there ways that you can and do encourage a tenacity in especially in that online or remote environment like how do you encourage tenacity with that in the design thinking curriculum like where do you mm. see it creep up like opportunities to encourage that like like be ferocious in your in your pursuit of of whatever fill in the blank um and and modeling that yourself yes. in, in an especially in an online environment yeah in an online environment it's a very it's in getting student engagement is uh, is a challenge actually in a, an online space. We are a continuous entry, continuous exit school. So, starting at the beginning of September, I had a handful of students that were ready to write their final exams because they were carryovers from the summer, and mm. you know others are starting. And you know, just working with them in an online space has to do with building relationships through the message system and having them converse with me through the message system. So I do a lot of text messaging system, you know, stuff with them in our uh, like chat. I don't have live lessons that I do with my students. So I'm not looking at them through a screen, teaching a group of them how to do balanced chemical equations. That's all mm. content that's provided on the, the our site and curriculum that they can get to. And I'm there to support them by marking their work giving them feedback mm -hmm. on their work. They've got a problem. I, you know, will pull out my iPad. I did it the other day for a student it was like, how do you do these problems? And sent me pictures. And I opened it up in a PDF annotator, wrote on it, sent it back. I made a little video for that one student, right? And they're like, Mr. Carpenter, thanks for taking the time to do that. You know, it took me like five minutes to do, but it, you know, I find that the students that I don't get to know very well, they, they do come and go. You know, some students struggle and I spend more time with them and that's good. 
Um, I'll meet them at their final exam. I haven't seen them ever before, but they show up and I happen to be the supervisor that night because we have like 30 students taking, you know, all the manner of courses and they sign up for an exam spot. Um, and I don't know most of them. I maybe know three of them ish by name because I haven't seen them before. But then after their exam, I'm like, hey, nice to meet you finally, you know. And uh, so I say our school is online wise is one of the hardest schools to go to because it takes discipline to sit yourself down and do your work. Right. You know, it, it takes a lot of discipline to do that. Whereas my students that are face to face, it's different because we're actually building a relationship. I talk to them every day that they're here, you know, and we get to know them and how I grow, you know, the desire to learn and to work hard. I think it's because I model that I show them that, you know, I don't know all the answers, but let's go figure it out. Let's figure it out. And, right. and, and it, at, when in the younger grades, we do, you know, some graphic design things for fun, you know, let's make a, let's make a graphic that has words on it, you know, <laughs> and, and like it, we're, it's, it's all scaffolding stuff so that by the time they get to my grade 11, 12, when they're the editors of the newsletter, I have spent enough time with them growing these very trivial skills that now they're actually dangerous. You know, they are, they're tenacious, they're fierce, they, they are not afraid to go, I need to make a poster, I know how to make a poster, I can do it, and I can think about it in a creative way, you know, and, you know, we make our newsletters exciting, because they are a student drafted thing, you know, and they take ownership of it, you know, At the end of all of our newsletters, I put all of our editors pictures. So those that mm -hmm. were there the day that we built the newsletter, and I have, right now, I've got 16 students. I put 16 students' pictures at the end of the newsletter in the editor section so that they have their name and their picture on this publication that we put out each month. Mm, cool. Goes home to goes home to families, you know, and I'm like, in the future, when you guys write your resume, point back to those newsletters and say, I helped make that, you know? Yeah, I often, I, I wonder now too, like, uh, as you said, like how different this, is, this has become since the pandemic and all of the remote learning became a thing that people had to uh, figure out. I, mm -hmm. I do wonder, and and as some of these like permanent online experiences become more a little bit more regular, I wonder if that on your resume activities that are based in online learning almost become like a badge of honor in some or in some you know yeah. what I mean? Like, is it like is it seen now as something like like well that that student must have a certain level of of discipline in in whatever right. it might be. Yes. Or or skills that that students that don't that don't have to self-regulate that and self-manage time uh, wouldn't really get the opportunity to build. Right. Exactly. My students actually today were, were they want a podcast. So I'm a podcaster. I have my podcast. Wait, are you a podcaster? I'm a podcaster. Yes, I've got a podcast. Do you have a microphone just like I do? I have one. And mine's a Yeti right here, but this is the <laughs> one I do my podcasts on, right? Ah. Like my, my, my microphone is right, right there at the end of my iPhone, right? You know? And yeah. so it's very simple and very simple mm -hmm. equipment. And I use Audacity to edit my audio and I put it out there on Spotify for podcasters. And it's very simple. Mm -hmm. But my students are like, oh, Mr. Carpenter, we want a podcast. I'm like, okay, do you know what it takes to podcast? Well, we just want to use the equipment. I'm like, no, yeah, that's, 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 where... that's not podcasting. That like, that's I far just want from... to talk into a microphone. That's exactly, yeah. exactly. So, you know, tell them I understand. I get it. I exactly. Know. You know, like all this equipment's pretty fancy, but you know, you don't need mm -hmm. any of that equipment to podcast. Right. And so just showing them that and modeling 
And I, I'm pretty transparent about my podcast. Some of my students listen to my podcast. I'm like, that's oh, good for you, you know? So those little audio snippets that you hear on Twitter that I record, you know, I spin all those together into a full episode that's maybe 18 to 20 minutes long at the end of the week so that you don't have to follow them all on Twitter, you know? So right. it's kind of a double dose of my podcast if you, some, you know, or it's just who's seeing it at what point, right? Like, when I tag you on a post of something like today, I, I listened to your podcast about higher curiosity, curiosity. higher curiosity, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. uh, how I thought that was so intriguing. But, you know, I got your attention probably today. You saw that and went, oh, Brian's doing a reflection, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a way to, that I can connect with you. But at the end of the week, I put all that together with all the podcasts that I've listened to so that Someone that doesn't follow every day on Twitter can listen to the podcast. My dad, he's not on Twitter. He listens to my podcast. He goes, I don't understand most of the stuff you say, Brian. I have no idea. My dad's not <laughs> an educator, you know, uh, but he's a big fan. And uh, that's that's pretty touching. So, yeah. I asked two, two of my best friends, like friends that people I've known forever uh, since I was in high school. And um, I can't remember what we were talking about the other day, but it was something else that didn't really have to do with podcasting. but. But with somebody else's podcast, they're like, do you know so-and-so puts out a show? Well, I'm like, do you know I have a show? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, have you listened to my show? They're like, they're like, no, I, I, I heard that you have. I'm like, what do you mean you heard that I have it? We have, I, <laughs> I'm like, I'm about to have 30 episodes. I know, exactly. <laughs> it's like been out for six months. Yes. So it's really funny how people closest to you, I think they just assume like, well, especially if they're not in your field and you're talking about your, yeah. you know, like education yeah. or something like that. It's yeah. like, oh, it's not a general use, general listenership. But then at the same time, I think they think, well, we hear her all the time. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, we, don't, yeah. we don't need to hear your voice. But um, yeah. there was one more comment I was going to make about reflection because you just brought that up. But like, I was wondering if there was, there could, the answer could totally be no, but if there was any real reason for you choosing to to show the the little snippets that you do on Twitter and that in that exact manner of you taking your walk and making it be like these little five minute snippets of of you all, like it's like you and you're in your you time yes but taking a moment oh, yeah. to show people like yeah. this is this is the routine that I have every day and yeah. part of that routine is reflecting and I was just wondering kind of where that came from or if it was just like a random thing you did one time and then just step stuck it with was it it was actually a progression. Um, well, I was a helping teacher for a year and a half at our district level. So I was like a technology coach and, and did that with, you know, all manner of technology and got, we got Google going. I was there when the first Chromebook showed up in our district and it was pretty cool. We unboxed Chromebooks for the first time. Now we, mm. we you know, now that we're out of Google, we've got, I don't know, 4,000 Chromebooks in our district that we're using for Microsoft. Right. And you know, like it, which is it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. But, uh, when I came back to uh, my school, the first day I was like, maybe, maybe I could record and reflect every day about just what's going on with Carpenter in my day. So I got out of my truck in the parking spot. I held my phone up and I recorded a, about a two minute video going teacher log day one. Hi, this is Carpenter, and I'm going to tell you about my thing. And I did, and I made this. Well, it was like, like Captain's, Captain's Log. Log. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly where it came from, right? So the nerd in me was coming out, going, "I can be like Captain Kirk. I can, yeah. you know, and William Shatner. And I am, and I will be." <laughs> exactly. And so I started this thing, and uh, I 
actually put it on my website, my YouTube video every day, and I use iMovie on my phone like I do for my daily Twitter things, and I posted it to YouTube every day, and I put it on my website. And I had three people listen over the course of the year. One of them works with me now, which is pretty cool. The other was my dad. Didn't understand what I was talking about much. Um, he does understand what I'm talking about, but it was, it, it's not relevant to him. And I started the practice of doing that reflection. I did 195 of those episodes, which was wow. Right. And That's it was wild. Right. And so it was like something I was pretty proud of that I tried. Mm-hmm. Who was listening? Not many people. Like and it was not there, but then I, I did that, and then that stopped because I'm like, well, I did that. Now what am I going to do? And I started listening to podcasts, and uh, Tim Cavey had me on his show. He reached out after we met at a Google Summit that I was part of, partly organizing. And I'm like, well, what do I have to say? You know, I'm just little old me, right? And I, I we talked, and that got me listening to educational podcasts and started that journey of listening to educational podcasts. And I thought to myself, I listened to someone talk today and how, what am I going to do with that? And me, I'm like, I got to reflect, I got to do something. So I was making a graphic using Adobe spark back at the time. And I would put the graphic with, you know, I listened to so-and-so's podcast and have a picture of that with my little 220 character blurb on Twitter. And I did that. And then one day I heard, Jeff Gargas talking about how you could put videos on Twitter. I'm like, what's that? And I started learning about, I'm like, I've done captain's log. I mean, teacher log for, you know, a year. I could maybe, maybe I could do something like that. And so I'd listen to podcasts and I'd hold it up and go, like I was talking to you today. I'm like, hey, Sarah, I listened to your podcast and it was great. And I, this is what I learned and da, 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 da. And, yeah, it's, a, and, cool. it, and it's a record. It's a documentation of me actually recording my thoughts. Right. And so mm-hmm. I started doing that. And it wasn't until Chris Nessie of House of Ed Tech, Tech. right? And he, one year for the Ed Tech Smackdown at the end of the year, called me out on the Ed Tech Smackdown and said, Brian Carpenter, you need to start a podcast. And I said, about what I thought. And so he met with me over that Christmas and he's like, you know what? You already got your content. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, those daily things. I'm like, who's listening to that? He goes, people will listen. You know, I don't have a whole lot of listeners, but the point is, is that I have a regular practice of reflecting and, exactly. and it fits with, for me, I'm doing it mostly for me, but it also helps me connect with the likes of yourself, connect yep. with Lainey, connect with others that I've had the privilege of being a guest on their podcast. And right. why? Because of fresher at five, the fact that I'm regularly exercising that gets me out the door. I'm not doing, you know, crazy things. I walk about about five miles a day, um, four or five miles a day. And I listen to podcasts and I reflect and that allows me to connect with people and amplify people's stories so that others can listen to the things that I'm talking about. Exactly. And that people like, you know, you're mentioning even like people like Lainey who might have a full length episode of, you know, Yes. podcast of content that they're putting out every week. It's yep. another avenue that it not only pings them and says like, Hey, yep. this guy's watching or listening to you and he's talking about you, but it also, even if it brings in zero more listeners, it at least tells them that somebody, you know, reminds them that they're doing work that people yes. find valuable. Exactly. Um, But it is that you've, you now have created a little piece of shareable content that I can take your little snippet about any episode of the optimalist mm-hmm. and I can put it in the optimalist newsletter. 
Yeah. And tag it and be like, hey, follow Brian. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Thank you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's what I can do. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? It's, it's a circle. You know what it is? Yeah. What you're doing is a you're doing like a an audio community building endeavor is what right. you're doing. Yeah. And, you know, I, I share that with my students that I say, you know, what my thing about podcasting is that I'm going to share what I'm listening to and learning about. And I'm yeah. learning and listening. I'm learning. I listen so that I can learn so that I can talk about it and I can bring it to you here and we can make a difference in our classroom, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's a whole cycle and you just repeat that and, and you just never know. I mean, honestly, even when you talk about how you got to that point, like, you know, meeting Tim and then meeting Chris, like all of those were people, you know, you're mentioning people who are heavily embedded in like educational audio production yeah. and, and all of that. And so for them to pick you out and say like, Hey, you should do more of this. Yeah. Um, or maybe you should make this into something regular or whatever. Like yeah. all of that, like is just connected to there, you know, there's something that, that is powerful about just that in itself, exactly. uh, I think. And it's, and of course it's, it's, it's all of that reflection comes back to you as being something that's benefiting your yes practice and your, you know, getting you outside. Exactly. I love when it's really dark out and, <laughs> In the morning, I walk out from underneath the streetlight into the darkness and I'm still talking and you're lock, yeah. watching a black screen. Right. And I'm like, so I, I've thought right. about that, about what does it look like and where am I recording on my <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I got my recording zone. So there, there's a few places that I'll record and others that I won't, you know, because road noise and all kinds of stuff like that. So, yes. So I did want to wind down towards the end with yes. um, a just giving you a space to maybe I know you you listen to the show. So you probably know that we ask people to give us some recommendations of maybe things they're listening to or um, watching or reading anything that maybe gives us a full picture of who you are as a human. You can say, uh, yeah, I, I do a lot of that just to kind of and it, they don't have to be professional. It could be anything, but it's kind of fun to yeah. see what people are 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 consuming mm -hmm. at the moment yes um i've because of the whole ai thing and you know how chat gtp blew up things you heard about chat gpt have i have you, you yet? Mean... have you heard of it yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i can't so it's this... this guy is kidding me <laughs> no, right? exactly so it's this big thing right and i and i was like i i remember when it came on the scene and i, I remember my kids friends coming to me and go have you seen this crazy thing? You could ask it a question. It tells you something. And so I'm like, okay, that reminds me of a story I wrote when I was in English in grade 11. That was about a computer that, you know, kind of rebelled against the human being. Right. And I'm like, that's interesting, which is, you know, the whole Terminator thing and all that whole thing. Um, but, you know, the whole as chat GPT and we started talking about it and me consuming the content of podcasts and people talking about it on the podcast it started to over time become language that i was understanding right and and getting why this is such a significant thing and you know at be the beginning we have the the naysayers that are like well kids are going to use it for cheating right that's it yeah that's all they're going to use it for right but right it's and it, and it, if that's the case then well we have to turn it off and you can't turn this thing off it doesn't turn off like the internet you can't turn it off so we have to figure out how to leverage it and understand it and teach kids ethically how to use it and, you know, use the tools that we have to, you know, go forward in our lives, right? And how does that connect with human flourishing? Um, I listen and I learn. I reflect 
And then I make sure I do some analog things in my life that are totally disconnected from education, disconnected from, you know, technology. I take my tech with me, my phone for my camera sake or my Google Maps so I can go find a lake to go fishing at. And I, I go out to the wilderness and I go out to the mountains and to the lakes and to the ocean and spend time in nature and make sure that I'm connected with nature. Right. So that's a really important really part important. of, mm-hmm. of the balance, right? You know, my fresh air at five in the morning podcast is about me getting some air in the morning, some fresh air in the morning, you know, when air quality is bad, it's still better than not getting any exercise. And I mm-hmm. go out and I do that. Right. Um, but yeah, the whole analog part of, of my life really helps balance out the the technology digital part of my life, right? I'm a fly fisherman. I'm a fly fisherman. I go up to the lakes up in the, you know, interior of British Columbia and I sit in my boat and I try to figure out how to get a fish to eat a hook that I put in front of it. That's, you know, fly fishing and I have to make it look like something. It doesn't smell like anything and, you know, try Mm -hmm. to fake out a wild thing. Right. And so that's, that's really important to me. I like how you explain that. I sit in a boat and <laughs> figure out how to get a fish to eat. <laughs> that was a good that's explanation. Right. Exactly. It. it is. It, it is, you know, and so, uh, you know, that's really important to me. Going for a hike with my friends, I take my cameras with me and the cameras are rolling, not all the time, but I document our trips and I am creative when, with that content. When I get back, I make a video about our hiking trip that I put mm-hmm. on my YouTube channel. Are your nope. friends like, oh, not this guy again with the kids? Well, they they were, they were, but they, but then we just they get let back us hike. Then when yeah. they get back, they're like, I'm glad Brian was along because now we have a video to show other people of where we went. You know, yeah, and, you know, and so I, cool. I I I'm not out there on my phone playing games. You know, I use it to figure out how we can get to from where we are to where we want to get to for maps and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Documenting, recording, taking pictures of beautiful things in nature that. You know, if you don't go for a walk and hike in nature, you're not going to see these things, right? And so, exactly. And that's another way you probably, in some way, if you shared that with others or influencing, could Im- potentially influence others to do the same, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, like yeah. I need to get out of my house more or out of the city more into the yeah. environment. Um, but yeah, it's so important to get all the, those connections to, to nature. We mm-hmm. realize when we're in it and then when we're not around it for a long time, you feel that it's one of those things I think that's, um, it's like the primitive version of when people long to go on a vacation and yes. get out of like, it's a similar, right? It's like, you know, really what we're longing for is to get out of the environment that takes us out of, you know, our natural selves, I think. Um, yeah, I don't know. For sure. I'm just philosophizing now. Yes. Uh, but I think it's time for us to say bye-bye. <laughs> yes, I think so. Yes. <laughs> it's been a long time that we've been talking and it's been, yeah, it's been, been fun. I've enjoyed forever. it. Just let's, let's keep it going. Keep the the forever conversation going. Well, thank you. Thanks to Brian for joining me in the studio for this fun conversation. It was such a great time to finally catch up with him live after so many weeks of seeing him talk about us on Twitter. We all thank you so much for your support, Brian. Additionally, thanks to everyone out there who has been reaching out to us for feedback on the show. Please consider letting us know what you think by leaving a review or even just a rating in Apple Podcasts, and you can reach me on Twitter at scandela9. The hashtag optimalist can be used when posting answers to questions that we ask here, especially if you can't find the original post, and I'll be sure to see it. I can also be reached at sarah at swivel.com. 
You can listen and subscribe to the Optimalist podcast wherever you love listening to great podcasts. New episodes are released every Wednesday and links to every resource is available in the show notes. The Optimalist podcast is brought to you by Swivel. At Swivel, we understand that the biggest challenge in education is the rate of change. Policy revisions, technological advancements accelerated by AI, evolving job markets, and ongoing research constantly identifying new best practices are only some of the factors affecting the rate of change in education. To learn how Swivel can help you be more reflective, engaged, and adaptable, visit swivel.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening to The Optimalist, and I'll be back next week with a new conversation. 